0: Today, we're bringing you the second part of our conversation with Brian from Propio Language Services. And we're talking all about the evolution of technology from the perspective
1: of a CTO. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. And, you know, of course, now, recently with, you know, ChatGBT getting so much play. Now everybody's thinking, oh, you guys won't even, <laughs> we won't need you in a year. Uh, and I'm like, hold your horses. Uh, it's a lot of fun though to play with it. But, you know, I, I just see things totally transitioning and that's just in my career. You know, that it, I, I was, when I was growing up essentially in the business world, especially working on, at a place like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, our CEO, CIO wasn't a technologist. Our CIO was a business person. And it wasn't, you know, until two years after that it went, you know, into more of a technology driven organization. And I've seen that repeatedly where you get really good business people and they do very well, but it's a different industry. You, you know, you need to have that technology background, but at, at the same time, us as technologists have to understand business. We have to get more adept at the financial components of what we do and understand, you know, intricately what we do as a business in order to build the right products. And so it's a little bit of a transition where, you know, the the dominance of business over tech has flipped on its head um, to tech over business. And so that's intriguing to me. And that makes this a hell of a lot of fun because I, I look at myself as a, you know, a business technologist more so than um, than anything else. I'm not one of those people that just says, hey, there's a new AWS service. We've got to go build that. It has to make it has to make logical sense if you get my drift.
0: Well, I, I see it converging. So I see the business people having to become technologists and the technologists mm-hmm. having to become business people. Yeah. But I also have seen so much that it's hard for me to even talk about titles anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's because
0: yeah. I just say titles are the way that the team chooses to label themselves to the outside world, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. it's so different, the different roles that, that you'll have. And, and to your point too about the business people, I used to sort of rag on some of the, some of the, you know, just collegiate business management type people because they were really bad at technology and I'd constantly see them making bad decisions. But I have run into like a pocket of them where they're so good at leading and putting people in the right places along with having that, you know, MBA type uh, financial aspect to it that they have success. Uh, So I, I rag on them. Only 5% less now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it, you know, it's spot on. Part of what makes this company successful is the fact that Marco and Joe have expanded their horizons. They take pride in the fact that they learn about the technology as a complement to their expertise in the business side of things. And I I enjoy that as well. Um, and, and it makes us all stronger as a team because, you know, I'll plead ignorance when they're talking about certain things that are related to the business wanting to know more and then they ask a lot of excellent questions around, you know, why are you doing this? Why is it taking so long? What does it mean to do X versus Y? Are we just actually handling something today where, you know, a calculated risk we took, it didn't go back to haunt us, but we one of the risks that we knew we'd have to mitigate has arisen, right? But everybody knew about it. And we had already discussed it. We already knew about it. Um, and now it's just an opportunity for us to, you know, go left and and, and make sure we're taking care of it. But that the benefit of that conversation was we already had it and it wasn't a gotcha. Everybody understood it. And we can do that as a collective at an executive level, which not a lot of places can do. And frankly, that's where the distrust comes in, right? Because um, just as much as if I don't extend my knowledge of the business and the financial components of it and, and, or, you know some of the business folks don't extend their knowledge on the technology it becomes very difficult to build that trust right because you don't really know what everybody else is saying and you know it just it it, it becomes somewhat confusing um and you always kind of got you have this kind of always you know hesitancy to just execute um and i've seen that happen before and and it's not a fun uh situation to be in um because you're at that point in time you're um, Marco, will get a kick out of this. You're turning in more of a salesperson than you are, you know, as a, an executive leader that's trying to get things done, because you're you're trying to influence your direction, and influence your way, as opposed to taking the business case and explaining it out to say this is technologically why we should be doing this approach because of the return on the investment, right? The return to the business, and I'm a big champion of looking at ROI using objective KPIs to measure, you know, expected results and, and, uh, and the actual results. I want the investment to prove valuable back to the business. I don't want to just do things, um, that sound cool. It, it, it doesn't, at the end of the day, we can, we can
0: figure what, out how to make them both happen though.
1: Well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's always that, but you know, I, I'm very caught. Co- I'm cost conscious to that. Right. You know, no doubt in my mind i have the most expensive organization in the company right i'm very very honest about that and most it organizations are the most expensive um to the company but i also want to be really uh frugal on how i use that right um and just saying i'm going to go build some stuff because it's a cool technology it's not going to translate into do people do that
0: do people do yeah. that though? Is oh, it really yeah. happening a lot? They they do it without business. They're just like, oh, we're just going to go do this because it's hot. Uh, oh yeah, That's, for sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Or, or, or they do it beneath the, uh, the covers, right. They do it under the covers and it's like, oh yeah, I'll solve this problem. And the next thing you know, they're implementing new technology, new unproven technology to try and solve that problem. And tip and, and I've had some recency with this, like it, that <sighs> fails right? Because you don't know enough about the technology for it to be scalable. You don't know enough about the technology you're using to understand its pros and cons. Uh, And then it takes more time than you originally estimated because you estimated it based off of technology that you know. Uh, That's great for an R&D function. You should absolutely have an R&D function that's constantly looking at new innovative ways to make your software more performant, better efficient, solve better business problems. But with the speed that we're trying to run at, Introducing new technology um, at the same time you're try- trying to solve like instant or um, immediate business problems is, in my experience, been a disaster.
0: Well, yeah, I'm curious to dive into the R and D function a little bit because yeah, when I first saw Chat GPT come out, I was like eh, and then I started talking with it, and then we started using it in our business, and then yeah. it was saving us and like half of our time in production because. I don't know if you've if you followed uh, or if we've talked since then, but we started making shows for other companies. Yeah. Do, do you know yeah. about that? Okay, so we yep. do like 15, 16 shows for other companies. And so we have producers and they have to prep the episodes, you know, the whole process you go through with, with Josh and everything. That happens across all of our shows, right? Yeah. And we started using ChatGPT to help us with the prep.
1: Oh, so, nice. <laughs> so we
0: feed ChatGPT your bio, and we feed it the goals of the conversation. We feed it the notes that Josh takes from your prep call, feed it all of that information, and then we start probing it to come up with good questions and, and things like that or give us ideas. It is phenomenal. It That's saves awesome. us so much time. So when I saw that, I said, okay, I'm, I'm always scared to go down rabbit holes because to your point of not building stuff because it's cool, yeah. you have to be really disciplined there. And I think I've been lucky in my trajectory of my career because the majority of things I was doing was with my money. Yeah. I yeah. kept it close as possible to the business thing. So I didn't really develop a bad habit. I never worked at a fortune 500 company where I developed a habit of getting to be the king and just building stuff because I thought it would, would be cool. Yeah. Um, so whenever I hear you say, I hear you say, I hear other people say it. And I'm always like, who are these people? Cause I want to stay away from them.
1: <laughs> oh man, I, I'm with you. It's, it's a completely different, like when, when you have your own money and it's your own business, you think completely differently. And at the same time, working for Amazon makes you think like an owner, right? That's their leadership principles. I love the leadership principles. They matter to me to this day. You know, somewhere in my desk really quick, I have got like the one pager of all the leadership principles and I still talk like that, right? Um, It's a big part of how I interview. It's a big part of how, you know, we chat at at the executive level. But, you know, I want to be cognizant of the fact that there's the right time to introduce new technology and then there's the wrong time so it's a balance if it's immediate you know if you don't have the time like for example just to you know use some rudimentary analogy if you don't have time to do a spike story right you can't really look at introducing new technology into the workflow because there's going to be immediate risk to whether or not you can deliver if you can that's a different story by all means you know if you if you're looking at uh, a problem that you're not really sure of the solution and it does require you to actually learn some new technology or investigate something new to solve that problem, by all means, I'm I'm 100% for that. And we definitely do that. Voice recognition <clears throat> is a really good example of that because part of our IVR prompting allows for voice recognition. And we use, uh, it's no secret, we use Twilio as, as uh, one of our partners. Um, and they, out of the box, uh supply some voice recognition but it's not working for us because we have obscure languages that just don't translate well um you know depending upon who's speaking them and it caused a business problem for us because due to the fact that the voice recognition uh that Twilio was supplying us wasn't recognizing the language that somebody was um speaking it would default to a language not found and then it goes through this completely other process that takes more time to connect a client to the interpreter and so we're like great we got to fix voice recognition. Um, and so we started digging into it and digging into it. And it turned out that, you know, by the way, Twilio does use Google as their backdrop, but it's not perfect. And if you teach yourself Google's proprietary language for responding to voice recognition, you can actually solve this problem yourself. So that's what we did. We, we said, it's a newer technology to us. Um, we don't really know it. But this is the way that we have to solve the problem because we tried all the different things that we could find that were recommendations to tweak Twilio's voice recognition and their utilization of of uh, Google's voice recognition. So we're like, all right, like, yeah, beat them, join them. So yeah, that that was a part where we had a business problem. To In order to solve that business problem, we had to pick up a new technology. It took longer than we wanted it to, but we're in the process now of releasing that those changes so absolutely there's certain times where you can you can actually you know build for that case and and scope out and um project the times for that case the stuff that i'm talking about is more uh, along the lines of you know coming out of like aws reinvent and seeing these you know fantastic new services that are there and immediately you know incorporating them into your next sprint that to me is like the the foolhardy approach you got to do that and your example is exactly like it's a great balance. It's like, well, we've still got this stuff that we're doing over here, but we can play play with chat GPT to see if we can you know optimize and save time. I love it. i mean i I frankly really want to get into using Chat GPT for code reviews um and 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 documentation um because that's the part that's the part every engineer hates, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, because I think the codex is the specific language model that was trained on all the different GitHub. Code mm-hmm. And ChatGPT is an offshoot from DaVinci. I've been learning a lot about it now because I just thought it was ChatGPT. And I realized, oh, this is a small subset spinoff from DaVinci. And then there's these different models that are pre-trained neural networks. And then you can fine-tune them. And all of this information, I, I was just blown away by it. And the biggest reason is because I'm also a consumer, just as you are. So I go yeah. about my life. I see deep fake stuff, right? That's something I think every technologist has seen. Obviously, to varying degrees, the quality, but it's getting significantly better year over year. Yeah, And then because I'm in audio, we started, we found this. Oh, man, it is so cool. It basically does a better job editing the audio quality than an audio engineer. Josh is going to (laughs) hate me. Don't hate me, Josh. But we took, we we wanted to test this, right? Because Adobe bought this startup and they called it like Adobe Podcast now. I don't know if they're out of beta or whatnot, but we uploaded our worst background noise quality conversation we've ever had, the source of it, into the system. This wasn't one Josh edited, but it, we uploaded it into the system and then we took the completed file that was edited by a human and then we took what came out of the podcast app and it was better than what the human had edited and I was like blown away so it obviously that's just one small part of the workflow is just improving the audio quality and reducing background noise and you have to you know clip for content there's all these other things you have to do but just to see that we're on the path so here's my question to you yeah when I saw the deep fake I also at the same time saw this thing where I could upload several hours of my voice, which we have because yeah. th- these are separate tracks, and then it could mimic from text, like with inflection and all of this stuff, creepily accurate. And so I said, okay, well, they've got the video, and I've got hundreds of hours of, of video of me and my face and my movements, and I've got hundreds of hours of clean, crisp smd 7 audio. How long until I can make a digital twin of Joel that could run an interview with ChatGPT GPT questioning and the other Ooh. person doesn't know? Wow. Because I want to see if I could put myself out of business, right? Like, how do you do that?
1: So that's an interesting thing. That's the biggest fear, right? With, with AI, everybody's afraid of losing their jobs. And I, and I was talking to somebody about this this week. In fact, an interview candidate that was talking to him about it, like, hey, how do you think AI is going to disrupt your industry? And I said, it will. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, and for things that don't require legal terminology, medical terminology, it can be very disruptive right now. But what I said was, and it's, and it's exactly along the lines of what you just said, is this is only going to help us do other things. Right. So, you know, go back to like multiplicity of the movie. What you just described as multiplicity. You're like, well, crap, I can run my business based off of a deep fake of me with all this audio, asking the right questions. And at the same time, I'm going to be over, you know, having family time or, you know, doing the next adventure or the next, you know, business that I want to start. That's how I look at it too, is, you know, robots have been replacing humans forever. Yet, you know, we talked about this earlier, yet we're at 3% unemployment, which is like unheard of. So it's not replacing everything. Uh, We're coming up with different ways to better use our time. And so I just look at AI as the quintessential automate the manual processes, right? Anything that's manual and repeatable, you should be looking at automating. That's a portion of it. Like it's certainly a stretch, you know to to say that. But if there's ways in which I can have chat GBT or the next evolution of that start to replace um, you know, certain functions of my life, hell, yeah, I'm all in, right? Because you know my brain works twenty. Plus hours a day, and I'd love to be doing. You know, I, I'd love to be putting my mind to other things with the knowledge that, you know, I can execute more effectively by using a software system such as that to do some remedial tasks. Like, have you bounced for example,
0: ideas off of GPT? Like oh, I Problem have, solving. Yeah. Did yeah. it come up with anything good or no?
1: It came up with some high level stuff. So I've I'd been toying with building something on on my end. So I'm an avid collector. I'm a huge vinyl collector. And, um, I used to always catalog everything and, um, uh, I've gotten really lazy in my cataloging because I'm, I'm rarely home and it's, it's, uh, it's something that takes my focus, um, because I'm super meticulous, like, you know, vinyl comes with inserts and all this kind of stuff. And the way that I catalog everything, I want it to be very specific about, uh, exactly what I have, including condition. And so I wanted to start developing a QR code system to where as I receive it, you know, it's basically an inventory management system. I can produce a QR code um, based off of the UPC if there is one, or potentially based off of scanning the image of the record itself, and then automatically converting that into the, essentially the database record for my inventory on an AWS S3 bucket uh and so i i asked chat gpt i said build this for me and i was really shocked at how detailed and step-driven it got but in the matter of 15 seconds i had 25 different steps of you know how to go about configuring it in the console recommendations on the specific aws services that they would use that they um that you know you should use to be able to build it and from a high level architecture it was pretty damn accurate um so and that was a pretty ambiguous ask you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i was i was digging it and that's why i said you know that's why i started looking i'm like well crap like let's start using this as code reviews code reviews is one of my biggest blockers you know it's a resource constraint nobody wants to do it it's administrative work if i could use that as as my code review engine i'd save you know at least 15 hours a week uh, of engineering productivity. So that's where I want to get into it. And then, plus, you know, like I said, doc- documentation is always a, a challenge. So, you know, wh- I'd, I'd love to be able to just automatically produce documentation for our uh, our architecture and, and good software. Good documentation. And yeah, yeah, good documentation, good right? Documentation. That yeah. basically just generate automatically generates, you know, a knowledge base for any engineer that's coming on board. And it's like, by the way, go over here done. You don't have to worry about, you know, spending time with uh, another engineer, saving me some pair programming time, all that kind of stuff. So I see definite opportunities of in- incorporating that into our natural workflow.
0: So I, when I saw this and played with it, I had a week, no shame of like the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Of course. And, Cause I'm very single minded at times. And so I want to figure out like, how do I rationalize what's going on around me? And then figure out how to take action and move myself forward, right? And it took me, usually I can do that in minutes or in hours or in a day, but this took me basically a week. And so here's my takeaway from it. It's an advanced technology that is doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. It's going to continue to progress faster because now we have better tools to help us build better tools. So that's just going to continue to progress even faster. The technology is not where... It's at today for off-the-shelf right. fake interaction. Yeah. Uh, I Maybe three to five years it would get there, or if, yeah. or if we really tried hard and put an engineering team on it, we could get something close and, and pro- progress it. But then I fell back to principles. And so what I, the way I've dealt with all of this is the following. I said every time from my first project in, in the early 2000s where I helped with some real estate accounting software and some other types of real estate software, what I saw was when you went in and there was a group of people, whoever was curious and was like, Hey, what, what is this? What's going on? They're the ones who stayed when the department got optimized, plain and simple, right? Yeah. They learned how to use the tool. Yeah. They were then, we don't want to have an in- on-site situation we want to train up you know we're putting software into a company we want to train up experts inside the company so yeah, we find sure. two or three it would optimize the department 20 people end up you know moving elsewhere and then those two or three people stay and they run the system now Yep. and so that that's the principle i have seen my entire life it's whoever's yep. curious whoever starts playing with the technology whoever you know starts understanding it those are the people that stay regardless of how much stuff gets wiped out so oh, yeah, as totally. long as I stay curious, and as long as I keep playing and checking in, and and all of that, like that movie Will Smith, I Robot. Yes, yes. So I, I rewatched down the road trip, and I thought to myself, like, man, this is just so likely. I don't think I could be convinced we're not on this path. It's either we get there or we blow ourselves up first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I don't disagree with you on that. I think we're looking. Oh, humans are lazy think about that, right? Like I, we're all trying to make our lives easier. And this is all stuff that makes our lives easier. And you, you, look, you can go back to everything. Go, you know, Go to the car, right? Went from horses to cars. Everybody thought we were nuts. It was to make our lives easier, right? And that's the real, the success of a business is, is based off of, are you really solving a problem that matters? And this solves time problems. And, and again, I, I like what you said, like, it's not, it's a curiosity thing. And that's, that, that's one leadership principle <clears throat> that we specifically brought over from Amazon's learn, be curious. Are you constantly learning? And and something that makes, takes work away from me, enables me to learn other new things. So I don't fear it as much as I want to see it evolve. I, I think the biggest challenge with AI right now, and, and it, and it's still it's easy to prove this right is the voice recognition component of it it's the ability to actually have a audio verbal conversation typing things in is obviously producing results um i mean you could look at google as the is the big game changer in that because back in the day when google first came out it could take five words and give you exactly what you were looking for right but when when it comes to voice recognition and being able to have that verbal conversation i think that when that happens that's when this is a mature technology and it's not far away right to your point around uh your explanation of that the the audio software and being able to like look at inflection and facial recognition are not that far away and deepfakes obviously prove that that's that's uh that's getting there at least from the one-way conversation i don't know about the actual receiving of the uh, of the verbal communication and then being able to produce like a conversation. Oh, I've tried with Alexa, don't Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's not that she's not that great of a conversationalist.
0: <laughs> there is somebody that had a chat GPT interview another chat GPT. No I th- kidding. I think they did it on a podcast. I wasn't sure because I didn't listen, but I I read some of the, the transcript and they were basically saying, hey, act like an expert here and then have this view and then act like an expert here, have that view. And then they had them have a, a short conversation and I was just blown away by it. I mean, it's,
1: it, it's, it is really cool. My, uh, Marco loves it. He was all in on it and, and, you know, it got me more intrigued with it because I originally I was kind of like, oh yeah, all, all right, cool. Uh, and then I started to, to play with it and, you know, it's super disruptive right now for education, you know, people having that, write their page, their, their documents and things like that. But, um, it's amazing. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I just, uh, again, lazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Our, our cultures are, we're, we're, we're a natural lazy, you know, race. We want to only have to do what we have to do.
0: Exactly. And it also, I've been watching another one that's curious to me is they've got these cooking hands, like the hands that can cook and they will take chefs and they'll have them record the dishes and then they can play it back. And when I saw those hands, I saw Jeff Bezos a few years ago. That's when I got introduced to them. He put on these gloves and then the hands, similar to those very expensive surgery machines. Yeah. And so I said, it's just a matter. Of, we don't even need to get to humanoid before you get a Roomba with a pole on it and then a set of hands. I mean, you could go help so many people in like their later stages of life with oh yeah common for sure. chores and and all of that. And I just imagine this call center. There'll be these call centers of these humans that are operating these remote android type things inside of different people's houses as a service it's like you got your house cleaner and there it is
1: yeah why not i mean not to go from that to something completely opposite but i mean warfare has already been changed by this stuff you know yeah it the the fighter pilot is almost a non-existent role anymore you've seen all these movies you've read all this stuff like most most of this is handled by you know a a video game Mm -hmm. controller Mm -hmm. in vegas Mm-hmm. And so you see that all, all along and, and it is those types of advances. I don't mean to like compare war to natural days, but it's a huge advancement in technology. And again, what makes our lives simpler? How can we do more with our available time? And that's just what we're trying to accomplish here. Like I, it, you know, if there's, it, if it becomes a possibility for me to leverage chat, GPT in a medical conversation, I absolutely want that a part of my system absolutely because it can it, you know i'll get more out of it it's it could be potentially more reliable and more consistent right and it would save me capacity it would allow me to do other things it would enable me to scale countlessly right not worrying about finding all these different people across the world that speak in particular languages but instead you know i've got one source who can communicate in 300 plus languages. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. And then again, like I said, I don't look at machines as replacing humans. I look at machines or, or artificial intelligence, saving humans time to go do other things. So if
0: you take it to the ultimate of let's stay on the human is lazy path and we create technology yeah. to help us do things faster and be lazier, which is great. Let's take that all the way to the end, hundreds of years into the future. If we were to look back and say, what are the humans building? We're all building towards something. I build a component, then you use my component to build something better, and then someone else uses that to build something better, and we just keep layering and layering and layering. When we get to the end, everything's been done, what do you think that thing is that we've built?
1: Cyberdyne? (laughs) 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 Um, That's a really difficult question. Wow, I never even thought of that. I mean, you're getting into some like space age stuff to where we've probably built a a community where we could live anywhere in our universe or any universe for that matter, it doesn't matter. And and if we're really truly human, right? And and our goal is to survive, that's the other thing. We're lazy and we wanna survive. It would be basically building earth to where it sustains itself. And then we've created a, a planet that doesn't need humans anymore. And then we go find the next planet that we have to build this all over again. I mean that's common. If you look through history, right, all the different civilizations, all the different advanced civilizations that could do a lot of the things that we were doing now, that you know for some reason or other disappeared. I mean, why not? That's what that's what Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk are doing right now to try and you know get into the space race and go, you know, build a habitat on Mars it's knowing that what we've done here may be at its max and then now we just gotta go do the same thing somewhere else. So I just, uh, uh, Star Trek-y a bit, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, It's a bit heady. Well, because sure. I, I first got this a couple years ago when I was watching some, I don't know, was outside and I was watching some ants build some stuff. And I just thought to myself, popped in my head, I said, I wonder if I walked up to that ant and I tapped it on the shoulder and I said, do you know like the bigger thing that you're building here or do you just really like to go from A to B because of whatever reasons (laughs) you've decided you like to go from A to B? And then I looked into it a little bit more and I came across these ant colonies that build these massive underground structures and people will pour the concrete into them and then extract them. And I'm like, they know how to do this stuff this is crazy. They're clearly all working together, but they're not connected, right? If there's hundreds of thousands of these ants and they're on different sides, they're, they're building something together, but they're not connected. And it's, to me, it's fascinating because I want to know where is that information encoded?
1: Like there's gotta be, it's gotta be somewhere, right? Some kind of neural transmission that they have yeah. that we don't for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, an I, extra sensory.
0: I, I I think, okay, look, I'm gonna get crazy here. All right. And then we can wrap up. This is probably the craziest thought that I share publicly. I'll give you an example first. If we go back to the uh, 1900s, right? And I were to tell you that there's this light that humans can't see, bugs can. It's this, it's this light. And you would be like, you're crazy, right? But it's infrared and it always existed around us. And we just, it took us time to get the right technology. I think to, I think it's a stupid position to take to imagine that we've detected every possible field around oh,
1: us. Oh, yeah. I Right? Yeah, we, there's way more than, you know, the, the five senses, right? So I think we'll get there. I think we'll get to a point where we
0: ultimately create some sort of technology or figure out how we're all connected in a different way than just like, oh, we're just meat and bone bags. Uh, we're walking around. Oh, at, for yeah. sure.
1: I mean, there's already a lot of published documentation that says that we don't, we use a small portion of our brains, right? Yeah. So think about the fact that we we might use ten to fifteen percent of our brain. How do we untap that? That that to me is also game changing, right? If we can figure out way ways to untap the rest of our brains, you know, I like to consider myself smart, but shit, if I'm only using fifteen percent of my brain, uh, man, I wonder what else I could do with that rest of the eighty five percent. And there's got to be ways to do. It. I mean, look at all the geocoding or you know in the DNA. Decoding that we've been able to accomplish already, CRISPR.
0: Yeah, CRISPR. Yeah,
1: CRISPR is awesome. Again, could be used in bad ways, but also could fix a lot of you know genetic diseases in people to extend people's lives. So it could help us cure cancer. You know, that's an amazing technology that I've been staying in tune with for for quite a while. And that's in a way, it's a start of being able to you know to tap into unused portions of the human the body and brain uh, because we're very complex people and you know what is it that we can invest in what is it that we can do to pull even more of that out there was that movie it was an albert brooks and mill street movie um God, i can't remember the title of it but they they're in their afterlives and you know they're they're reviewing their lives on camera right and showing all of their fears and stuff like that and the only way they could pass through is if they prove that they were fearless but everybody in this world that was the business people in this world were utilizing, you know, 40 to 80% of their brains and they were that much smarter, that much more advanced thinkers that, you know, evil, able to see ahead of certain the, the reactions or, you know, the, the effects of causes. And that's part of what intrigues me as well. It's like, could you think about what could we do to be able to free up our minds? And again, going back to chat gpt that could be a reason right because we don't have to think about you know some of the simpler tasks we could just use that to respond to simpler tasks so that we're using the complexity of our brains to actually go solve less trivial problems and so that gives us our capabilities to go back in and you know really solve cancer look at ways to produce clean water for the entire globe get rid of, you know, plastics and cre- come up with creative ways to recycle, you know, pull carbon emissions out of the, out of the air and, you know, figure out a way to recycle those as well and use those as fuel or power. Those are things that are all taking place right now, but they're so they're so small that we're not able to make the impact that we could. And if we just were able to free our brains up and not worry about some of the remedial tasks that we deal with on a daily basis, maybe we could do that stuff. I
0: agree. That would be amazing. Uh, did you hear the the episode? I know we do a lot of content, but did you hear the amputation episode? If not, I'll give you like the brief. I did not. I did Okay. Not. All right. All right. So it's worth the two minute story. So I, this guy, brilliant guy, infinite degrees from a young age, Harvard, this, that, the other, right? Uh, scientist, researcher, not businessman, researcher. And... I had him on the show because they found this discovery when he was doing uh, regenerative limb research. So he was taking newts or some sort of small thing that, that could regenerate its tail, cutting the tail off, understanding it, trying to figure out the source of this. Why can some animals regenerate and others can't? And so what he ultimately found was he was a specialist in bioelectrical signaling between cells, cells communicating with each other mm-hmm. and he was able to record the, and I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it a bit, but he was able to record the bioelectrical signals that are transmitted in the animal who could regenerate record those signals and take them to another animal who can't regenerate, cut its limb off, play the signals back to the limb and it regenerated oh my gosh so what he found is the following. He found that you have to do it within 24 hours. So the cells make the decision within 24 hours of whether or not to just like, you know, heal, heal the the wounded area or to regenerate it.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that That's crazy? Amazing.
0: Yes. Because our DNA contains the elements of how to build our body. Right. Every piece of DNA does. So like it knows the the layout for my arm because it's it's what every cell regenerates every seven years or something like that. So it's yeah. constantly rebuilding itself. So it has this knowledge encoded in it. And it's this bioelectrical signal. So then what they're doing is they're he sold it, or he's doing something where some business group is taking it to market for humans. So when they get to an accident, you know, car accident, someone's arm gets crushed in the door, they can cut it off, you know, right there at the the site or at, at the emergency room, and then do this bioelectrical signaling back to it, and then they can regrow their limbs. They're not there. I don't think they're doing the human trials yet, but they've successfully done it to the point where he's. He's completed that project and it's being taken to market now. That's absolutely amazing. It's bonkers. But here's the sad part: I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets these emails all the time from amputees oh,
1: that man. just yeah. see the
0: headlines. You know, when the 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 science magazines they. Make it seem bigger than it is and write these really catchy headlines and these amputees see it. And then they'll write them these like sad emails like, Hey, my marriage is ruined from this. You've got to be, I got to be a test subject. And then he has to like, I don't know what he does, but we talked about it a little bit on and off. And I don't know which parts made it on, but yeah. basically, you know, they don't dig deep enough to know that it, that 24 hour aspect. 24 hours. Yeah. And it's just, it's tough, man. Cause, but I, I gotta, you gotta love this guy cause he's doing difficult things, both scientifically and emotionally. Because, I mean, he has to field those emails still,
1: you know? Oh, that's, it's like exciting, amazing, and heartbreaking all at once. Oh, I know. I and know. Da Vinci, Da Vinci's got to be like rolling in his grave saying, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right? we could fly then, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We made a podcast. How do you feel? I feel great. It was a good conversation.